Hello, everyone, and welcome to Creative Psychopaths. This is the intro bit that, that Matthew's not normally part of, but here he is. He's made it into the intro zone. I, I, I keep taking inches, and you keep offering miles. Yes, yes. Well, I, I, I want to have you here in the intro zone, because normally it's just me rambling along to myself, and I usually end up not saying the thing that I want to say or talking too much, like I'm doing now. Um. So, yeah, what do we do in the intro zone? You must know by now. It's... Well, we tell people to download the podcast uh, because that, that helps us out big time. It does. And we also ask them to join the Facebook group and follow us on all the other social medias, which all of them very conveniently found just by searching creative psychopaths. You know, I couldn't have said it better myself. And, and over a year, I have never said it better myself. So excellent. Uh, so this week we're covering Pearl. So um, let's L- listen up. Yeah, jam on with that. Welcome to Creative Psychopaths, a horror movie podcast and the world's premier kitchen for horror sandwiches. I nearly forgot what I was going to say there because it's been so long since we recorded. It's, oh, um, it's been so long. It has. It's been. Like, it feels like it's been forever. Like Ash at the end of Evil Dead 3. It's like we took a drop too many and we slept for an extra hundred years. It did. And so now it's the year, oh, however, what, 2,123. Yeah, yeah. I bet we still don't have flying cars by then. No, and it's still, everything's still pretty shit, to be honest. It's all still... It's very similar, in fact. So um, perhaps we didn't do that hilarious thing. Anyway, everyone, I'm Mark, and uh, this is Matthew. We're, we're here. We're Happy New Year-ing. Yes. Yes. Even though it's the 12th of January, and I don't think legally we're allowed to say that anymore. <laughs> I think... I think you're allowed to say it to the people you haven't said it to yet. So anybody I haven't said Happy New Year to, I've said Happy New Year to some. And and let's let's be honest, you know, so far into the year now, we actually know whether it's been happy or not. Yeah. So um, you know, congratulations, you did it, or you know, commiserations, you you know, you've had a sucky one. Yeah. Either you either either you've started those resolutions or they failed already. I didn't bother making any this year. Uh, no, that's true. That's not true. I'm going to try and watch at least 100 films this year, but I think I'll manage that. Um, I mean, you're going to get like 50 just for the podcast, aren't you? So it's... Oh, yeah, never thought of that. Oh, well, that should be fine then. I, I think I'm quite on my way to, to it anyway. I think I've already watched 10 or 11 in January. So I'm doing all right. Yeah, go Mark. <laughs> go me. So I think we're going to forego the, uh, the what is it? The thing. The would you rather? The would you rather, yeah, because I'm going to uh, talk to you about my Amazon voucher that I got. It's not an exciting story. It's a two-part story. I'm going to save one part for the end of the podcast. That's, that's exciting. That's That gives you something to hang on to, that, doesn't like, it? It's sizzle for a not very good story because it really is as simple as my niece bought me an Amazon voucher and I, I didn't really want anything. 
Um, so I found myself on Prime Video, and on a whim, I purchased the first season of The Twilight Zone. Um, the the original one. Yeah, from the sixties. Yeah, and um, I, I'm a Twilight Zone guy now, and uh, and I must admit, I'd never really been exposed to it apart from having seen the movie. Um, I'd never really been exposed to this old school Twilight Zone, and it's amazing because a lot of them, um, I see a lot of horror directors, and they talk about old Twilight Zone episodes that inspired them. And you can see while watching nearly every episode, bits and pieces of movies that you've seen. And, like uh, the uh, the gremlin on the side of the bus in The Simpsons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that might have been a movie one. Or maybe I think it was. It was, uh, it was William Shatner. Mm-hmm. It was. Uh, play, playing the Bart Simpson role. It was. But there are things I've seen, I've, I've seen like, like, um, like I say, only snatches of things, but like oh, I've seen snatches of like from dusk till dawn and stuff like that, um, and it's just it's just been really interesting to get into. So yeah, I'm a Twilight Zone guy now, and it cost me I think five pounds ninety nine for season one, which was is thirty six episodes. And are they are they half hour episodes? They're sort of half and twenty minute, twenty two minutes to half an hour. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's been really good. It's something I would recommend to everybody out there. If you're if you're looking for something to watch, get into the Twilight Zone. It's very um I'm not even sure how to explain it. The, the acting's very much of its time. It's very almost over the top. <laughs> yeah. To a degree. Um, but yeah, wonderful. Get on yeah, to it. It's, it's one that I've always kind of been aware of without being, you know, intimately aware of. You know, I've could name a few sketches, well, I say sketches, you know, a few, uh, a few episodes in that film. Mm. And y- you can, you can feel how important it is, can't you? Just, just seeing those bits and sort of knowing where they're led. Yeah. And it's, I mean, I've not, I've not watched any of the, the revival, but I'm, I'm led to believe that it's not great. So, uh, well, I, um, I did, I bought the Jordan Peele one from, ooh, from CEX because it was like, Five ninety nine on Blu-ray, and I was like, oh, well, that's, that's cheap." Um, and it claimed to be four discs, and I thought, "Oh, that's that's good." The first two discs were all the episodes, and then the second two discs were all the episodes in black and white, which I thought was a bit of a jip, really. <laughs> like that's yeah, that's that's four discs of material. <laughs> it's not. I wouldn't say it's four discs of content, is it? What is that weird thing that people keep? I mean, Twilight Zone makes sense, but there's like this strange little trend of regarded films doing black and white cuts, didn't they? Mad Max did it and Parasite. Logan, I think they did it as well. Yeah. 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 The Justice League have a black and white. It wouldn't surprise me. It's like surely your director, their vision is based on one thing. So Mm. yeah. Well, I don't know. I guess if they can do it, it's, they're not harming anyone. No, no. Well, um, uh, a friend of mine recently told me to start listening to some Mark Commode stuff. Um, so I've been doing that. And um, one of his books, he talks a lot about, you know, like the evolution of cinema and stuff like that. And um, going back. 
you know, I can't say it exactly because I'm not as clever as he is, but uh, it's been really interesting, really interesting so far, especially him bemoaning 3D. Oh, um, 3D, 3D is rubbish, though, isn't it? That's just... <laughs> yeah, well, it's, I think the book that I'm reading is like, I think he might have written it in 2012, so it's a little bit behind the times, but um, it's still valid and it's nice to get a history of cinema. Yeah, I think was it the uh, the good, the bad, and the multiplex. That's the it, one. That's yeah. the one that I'm reading. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I enjoyed that. I, I went read uh, sort of three of his books quite close together, and uh, like years ago now, so they kind of all blend into one and sort of all half forgotten. But I do remember him like really like teeing off on the multiplexes and stuff. I'm just thinking like I've I've only ever known multiplexes and. I think, on the whole, they're a good thing. Mm. They're a little bit finite, you know, well, not a little bit, they're massively financially driven. But they do show a lot of films, you know, and a lot of different films. Whereas, you know, the the only sort of art cinema that I ever visited, like with any regularity, was one in uh, Christchurch in Dorset. Uh, we, we had family down there. Right. And, like, they only ever showed like two films at a time and it was like really difficult to like work your day around it and you even pick something to see because they were also struggling because they had to put the same stuff on that the that the multiplexes were showing because it's right yeah yeah what, what people want to see you know yeah it's a bit of a it, it... It's probably not not a not a thing we should open up right now, right now, really. But yeah, I, I just wanted to. For me, I just wanted to start learning a little bit more about the history of cinema, which it is. It, it does have a lot of that in there, but it also is a lot of sort of, you know, well, like you were saying, like sort of bemoaning multiplexes and stuff like that. But um, it's certainly been interesting. I've, I'm going to make that probably one of my resolutions this year is to try and get just a bit more. History of cinema in into my brain. Well, on the multiplex thing, my thinking is that they should always reserve a screen, uh, at least one, depending on the size, for smaller pictures. You know, they can just have a little theatre uh, and just to ensure that, uh, you know, smaller films are given, uh, you know, wider releases. Could yeah. even be subsidised by the BFI. Yeah, that's very true. That's very true because um, there is nothing like seeing a film at the cinema, really. Um, I've just upgraded to an iPad now so I can watch films on an iPad because I watch a lot of my stuff on my phone, which it's not its not ideal. That's not what ideal. What would Martin Scorsese say? Uh, <laughs> don't know. No, I've actually also, while, while you say that, I've been watching a lot of films on, on an iPad as well recently because... Over Christmas, we I went to Paul and spent it with my my missus's family, and we like the internet went just completely out while we were there, so you, you could you barely do anything, and if we wanted to watch a film, we had to like we couldn't stream anything on it there. If we wanted to watch something, we had to download it overnight on off Netflix or Disney Plus or whatever. All right. Because that's all the internet would allow for. So we always had to like get together, choose one film the night before that we wanted to watch the following day. 
<laughs> download it onto an iPad and then like put it on, like cast it onto the TV. Well, I suppose that works. <laughs> so, right, we did. We, we got away with it. But as you can, uh, you know, as, as you know, we watched a lot of, you know, we, we made these great plans that we were going to come back to the podcast. We we're going to talk about all these new films that we watched. I think I watched like three, four horror films <laughs> just because <laughs> I had to, uh, you know, we had to we had to play to a wide audience. Yeah. Well. Oh well. Yeah. True. Yeah. Well. With that said, um, should we talk about some of the films that we've seen? I, I, I segued deliberately there. So yeah, I'm, it was beautiful. Not yeah. lost it. Absolutely beautiful. Um, I, to be quite honest with you, I've only got um three films that I want to talk about, and uh, two of them are sort of a combo. <laughs> So, um, Magic, if you said you only saw three or so, then uh... yeah, I don't have a, I don't have a great deal, and one okay. of them we've we've actually sort of already spoken about on the pod already. Right. Okay. Uh, because this is one that I was able to watch before I flew out. Uh, because, as he said, your top five list, I hadn't seen many of them. Right. And the one that stood out to me is the one that you recommended, saying it was quite evil dead like mm. and that was deadstream yes yeah it was um oh, like i said to you when i did the top five when i was watching it i thought this is this is one that he'll enjoy and, and you uh, were absolutely correct yeah i'm glad I'm i really... thought it was brilliant i loved it uh the only thing really that i had as a like a, a proper criticism of it uh, the guy was annoying but that's by design but yeah, yeah. The uh, there's a, a thing that happens in the middle of the film. Oh, not not even the middle, sort of quite early, sort of maybe you know end of the first act sort of thing. And it's built as a bit of a a twist, a bit of uh, a dramatic point and a surprise later on. And I called it straight away. Right. Okay. That was yeah. the only thing that I was like, ah. Oh. <laughs> I wish I hadn't done that. Yeah, well, sometimes I think it's um, it's easy done, um, especially when you've seen so many of these. It's uh, it's very I rare. Also that... Don't even think it's it's not really that much of a hindrance. No, no, because uh, that uh, one that one's based largely around the sort of entertainment aspect of watching the film, anyway. So I think. Yeah, I, th- I thought it was really clever. It had those you know, real time comments that were coming in on the screen and stuff. And, mm. you know, just, popping up at the bottom so oh this guy's so dead you know he's just like <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is a there is another film similar called dash cam um and that yeah you've mentioned this one a few times yeah um the thing is the 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 difference between the two is um the character i've, I've probably said this loads of times but the character in deadstream is annoying but, but by the sort of end of the movie you, you're just about with him or at least, whereas the the woman that's in Dashcam is, I think this is the right word, abhorrent and all the way through. Um, so while it's quite a good horror film, she's so hate- hateable. Like, you know, not even, ugh, I can't even explain it. We'll have to watch it one day so you can uh, <laughs> get on board with the hate. Yeah, we'll have to keep <laughs> it for a, a later episode. Yeah. Well, I am going to talk about ah, a movie that we both, when we both watched the trailer for, we went, 
Uh, um, Hellraiser 2022. Okay. Because, because uh, I'd heard some positive bits about it, um, mostly around the um, Cenobites, really, which was that, you know, going back to the original Hellraiser, as much as you like it, the Cenobite, the Cenobites in it, while different, they're all sort of still much of a muchness. Whereas, you know, what I'd heard about this was that the Cenobites in Hellraiser were more like, you know, like 13 ghosts, like interesting. Each one seemed to be interesting. Like, well, what do I yeah. their stories and stuff like that? And I thought that sounds interesting enough for me to watch it. Um, so, yeah, I went in on Hellraiser 2022 and, um, yeah, it's certainly entertaining. It's certainly entertaining. And I wouldn't, I wouldn't give it a creative psychopath. It would be, you know, I'd have to give it an ooh, it's spooky. But at the top end of ooh, it's spooky. Because it's not a rehash of that original story. It sort of is a move on from there. So there's something different to it. Um, and I did I did like the Cenobites in it. Like I say, they, um, I've got to agree with what people said. It's not very different um each one's very different and very sort of interesting um and the other interesting part is when people do get sort of i guess killed by the cenobites it's um more interesting too as sort of this sort of slip into a sort of hell dimension and seeing stuff like that so like i say not a creative psychopath but certainly better than i expected it to be because uh, the trailer made it seem like it was just nothing. I think my problem with uh, the original Hellraiser, I mean, I, I do like the original Hellraiser. I think it's a very good film. Yeah, but yeah. It's the Pinhead is like the least interesting one. <laughs> He's like, mm, yeah, like that big slug-looking dude with the sunglasses and the uh, yeah, for sure, yeah, like the heart ripping. Yeah. Out. That guy looks cool. I want to see his movie. Yeah, yeah. Now that I think that's what you get out of this new one is you do get a lot more of that going. I want to see this guy's movie. I want to see what this yeah. guy's all about. Like they should do that with Thirteen Ghosts. To be honest, if if they did that as a TV series, each ghost, I'd watch the hell out of that. Um, because that was probably the best part of that movie was the actual interesting ghosts. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. In fact, that might be one of the. Very few things I actually enjoyed about 13 Ghosts. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, uh, was I'm trying to remember where that one was. I think it was a, a purchase one here, wasn't it? I can't remember, is it? Mm, where, where it was available. I think I got it off Prime. Okay. So I yes, think it was, it, was, uh, it, was, it was on sale. I think I got it for like $2.99 or something. So it was... I don't know why it was that, but that's why I got it for. So I thought, ah, well, for that price. Um, yeah, because I think it was on uh, Hulu in the US. And mm. Their stuff normally comes on Disney Plus here. and We haven't had it yet. I quite like the idea of a Hellraiser on Disney Plus, to be honest. <laughs> right next to Bambi. Well, yeah. I mean, because people have <laughs> seen people saying that because Pinhead's a, wo- a woman now that um, potentially she's a Disney princess. But, well, I guess uh, so. So is the Xenomorph alien, isn't she? Yeah, yeah. Although I think I actually think um, that the Pinhead one's supposed to be sort of more ambiguous than it is um, specifically a woman. I, I believe in yeah in 
Clive Barker's novel. It, it's uh, yes, it is. Yeah, a, yeah. a genderless creature or gender fluid at least. Yes, yeah, and I'd say you get that from this movie. Um, Pinhead's not the star of that Hellraiser for, for sure. It's just a sort of yeah, it's pretty decent. Okay. Oh, I'll uh, yeah, I'll give that give that a look at some point then. Surely. Sweet. So a film that that is on Disney Plus though <laughs> is <laughs> the right. So that this one is uh, on my on on the download list. Then the, we had an early morning flight, so I thought, well, I've got a download slot, so I'm going to download something just for me, something mm-hmm. from 2022, and it's going to be a horror film, so I can watch it either on the way to the airport or on the plane. And I remember a work colleague recommending, well, I don't think she, she didn't recommend it, but she mentioned that she'd watched Grimcoy. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I tried to watch that. And it's it's certainly a film. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's not as bad as people make out. That's, that's for sure. Uh, it, it's... Like I watched it, it was sort of like six in the morning on the drive to the airport, and it it made that trip fly by. And it's like, don't get me wrong, it's not it's not a good film, but it's not. It, it's kind of your nuts and bolts straight to streaming horror film, right? Yeah, it's not particularly. You know, it's not clever. It's not particularly scary. It's. I'd say it's got a little bit of of interest. It, it's certainly trying to say something, which is, you know, better than can be said for a lot of films. But the actual design of this monster is just incredibly funny. Yeah, like, yeah. It looks like goth grew, but a Muppet. <laughs> Yeah, I've, I must admit, I've tried watching it, but um, like I, I watched, I like, couldn't get into it. I started the opening scene, and I thought this look, you know, this is pretty good. This, you know, it had sort of traditional scares. I was getting sort of hooked in, and you know, you, you kind of see like these little bits and pieces of the monster. Oh, yeah, you know, this is quite tense. I'm enjoying this, and then you know, as the film goes on, you just see more and more of him, and like shots linger on it, and it's just like. Just don't like the filmmaker clearly knew enough of what they were doing to know they should have avoided this. <laughs> yeah, the, the less you see, the better, that's for sure. But you know, often these people are sort of ruled by the studios, aren't they? So, uh, well, I imagine I, there was a bit of that. We need to see more of this monster. I, I don't know what it is because it kind of did feel fairly practical. Yeah. At, at times, I don't know whether they, you know, they got sort of a bad costume, or if they made it thinking that the VFX team would have created a better monster for the shots or something. So I, I don't really know. That's not, who's to blame? Sounds a bit mean, but you know, I don't know who is to blame for this abomination of a monster. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I think I read somewhere that it's a sort of um, a very teen horror. Um, but uh, yeah, so it certainly is. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's not one I've dipped into. Well, I know I tell a lie, I dip my toes in and and jump straight back out again. But I probably yeah, will. it's all about you know online addiction and 
you know, parents wanting to keep the kids safe in online spaces and things like that. You know, and it's definitely, you know, it's definitely got something it wants to say. It doesn't do it particularly well, but like they, they took a bit of a swing. You know, it's definitely not as bad. I don't think it's as, like, a lot of people say it's laughable. I think apart from the monster, I don't think it particularly is. Uh, but yeah, there there are, it's not, let's put it this way. It wouldn't have made our top fives if we'd have watched it sooner. No, no. Um, right, so. Oh, good pause. Right, my, sorry, my, uh, my, well, I've got two really because, and I think it might be a bit weird to bring this up really, but I revisited The Shining. Um, you said, yeah. And with that, I combined it with Doctor Sleep, but um, I got hold of the director's cut for Doctor Sleep because I've heard it. I heard it was actually slightly better. Um, Truth be told, I've seen Doctor Sleep. I don't know which one mm. it is that I've seen. Well, you you you'd know if if the one you watched was split into chapters, then you saw the director's cut. And if right, I, no, and if, I watched the theatrical cut in that case then. Yeah, there you go. That's, that's how I know there's a difference. But there is about, there's a sort of maybe good half an hour extra in the director's cut, but it doesn't feel like, um, you know, meat that should have been chopped. It just, it still flows as a good movie. But yeah, I revisited The Shining because I'm going to level with everybody here. The Shining's never been high up on my list. Um but having read the book recently um i thought i'm gonna go back in on this and i must admit i enjoyed it considerably more um what surprised me about the shining watching it this time is that um it moves at a pace um i always remembered it being sort of kind of slow and a bit you know sort of dredging along but it, it doesn't it once they get into the hotel, it just clicks along. Um, and it's, yeah, it's pretty damn good, actually. <laughs> I still don't know that it would make my... It might make a top ten. I've decided. Uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to talk about the fact that I've revisited The Shining. And, um, yeah, very good. Are very you good. open to admitting that it's better than the book? No, I still preferred the book. One day. One day I will get you. I'll, I'll grind you down enough to. No, to I still, around. I still preferred the book, but apparently, um, I, <laughs> I found out that there is a bit of a sort of um, small division of people who think that the book is better, and apparently I'm in that gr- in that group. But I think mostly people side with you on that one. Um, well, I, I, I'm I'm probably going to get crucified for this, but I, I think that Stephen King's, uh, like he's brilliance as a writer is that he can make his books like super accessible you know that everyone can enjoy a Stephen King book Mm -hmm. but I think by by doing that you've kind of lose the ability to write a masterpiece right yeah by uh I, I would I would put it in terms that you know you you have to take some some big creative risks in order to produce something uh, 
you know, transcendent. And while Stephen King knocks out, you know, four-star books like, you know, like it's nothing, which is, you know, an, in- an incredible talent to have. And I, you know, I don't think anyone can do it like that. He He doesn't often get into that territory where he's, you know, just an absolute brilliance. I would say that he's, I'm trying to think of like a, a musician to compare him to, you know, I, I'm thinking like, you know, Bruce Springsteen is probably a good example, you know, mm-hmm. super appealing, you know, everyone loves Bruce Springsteen and, you know, he plays to thousands of people, but I don't think he's ever, never hit the Bob Dylan heights, you know, yeah, I, I I totally understand what you're saying, and I don't think you're saying anything controversial, really. I no, mean. and and I think that's why sort of the shine the shining is one of those books that he writes. Uh, one of his better ones, admittedly. You know, I'd, I'd probably, you know, I've not read it for a while. I, I when I read it, I do remember really enjoying it. Whereas, you know, Kubrick is Kubrick is the Bob Dylan. You know, he's the absolute master of filmmaking and it's where so i think the shining is good the film is great yeah yeah i think uh, to be honest i think the only reason i don't uh, that i prefer the book is that the book is more focused i think heavily on the actual shining um you know yeah that's that's definitely the case and and it's yeah um, i think with the 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 book as well you get you get a clearer idea of what it's all about as well. Don't you, you, know, you get the shining from Danny, yeah. but you also get the, the fact that is this is a haunted hotel straight down the line. Bad stuff happens here and they're going to be haunted by it. Whereas yeah. the film's a bit more ambiguous. Yeah. So I, I just, I'll just quickly talk about Dr. Sleep. Uh, if that's okay. Of course. Um, the one thing that I have noticed about Dr. Sleep, and I, I'm going to go out on a limb now and say that I absolutely love Dr. Sleep. I think it's brilliant. Um, brilliant. What I thought was interesting is, um, and I'd actually, like, I actually do want to mention, because when we were talking about our favourite directors, we didn't mention Mike Flanagan, and we probably should have done, um, or at least put him in the list of, Certainly good ones, up and coming ones. But anyway, um, that aside, what I do like about this movie is how Mike Flanagan's managed to make it faithful to book and movie at the same time. It really, um, he had an impossible by... task, didn't he? Really, there, and absolutely important. He manages it, really manages it. So, um, yeah, I really like Doctor Sleep, and um, well, we'll probably get to it another day. I think we'll definitely have to do that. Um, but I'm, I'm aware we've been rambling for quite a while now. <laughs> yeah, and I, I've still I've still got one more that I watched over Christmas too. Oh, I go for it then. So it's uh, it's not one that was actually on either of our lists, but it did come up quite a lot in the comments. Uh, and I watched Fresh. Ah, oh, yes, yeah, I've seen one. I have seen that one. So as we've, you know, we've established that I, I you know, like my sort of unbelievably grim psychologically torturous films or super fun, evil dead style films. <laughs> There's another thing, which I've, I'm not sure that we've 
touched on all that much, although the, we kind of mentioned it with the menu, is I love films that take an abrupt, sharp turn. Yes, and yeah. I, I, this film does that. <laughs> yes, yeah. I knew that about you when I watched it. Because um, the, the the credits don't come until sort of maybe 20 minutes, maybe more than that. I think it's, um, it's even more, and it, it yeah. is a brilliant touch for it. Mm, yeah, it works really well. You it's, know, uh... Uh, I think the the film that I go to for this sort of idea is from Dust Till Dawn. You know, where it, it veers left like halfway through. Yeah. And when this does it, and then it it hits you with that moment, and then credits roll. It's like, oh right, this is like this is the film now, isn't it? Yeah, and it. They really like drive that home. I just think it's it's you know very well put together in that regard, uh, and it's first time director as well. Uh, I've completely forgotten her name, which I feel quite bad about now. Uh, so I will just find that quickly. If this makes the edit, this will be a miracle. Mimi Cave. Mimi Cave, yes, and yeah, I think she's done a really great job as a first time director and you know it's it's got stuff to say it's there's a, a character who sorry the, a male character who's set up all the way through to be a hero and then chickens out towards the end <laughs> which i thought was just a beautiful touch you know alongside this uh sort of the thesis for the film and I, yeah, I had a, a lot of fun with it. And it's, you know, it's pretty clever, but also, you know, campy and simple at the same time. And I think it, it towed that line very nicely. Yeah, I, I, I really liked it. I, I'm with you. I think one of the things I liked about it is I've become, over the years, I've become less and less um, tolerant of stupid movie characters. Um, and the women mostly in that are pretty pretty spot on <laughs> they don't do anything particularly stupid um well you know aside from going to a man's house in the middle of nowhere well, um, i think one sort of one character gets suckered in doesn't she and then uh the sort of the the friend uh played by george t gibbs just is one of the smartest film characters i've ever seen yeah yeah, and a really good part of the film is that even with her doing all these smart decisions, like she gets caught as well. It's really right. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's. But I think is it the main girl Daisy Edgar Jones? Once she sort of, you know, she hatches a way out of there. She does. I think it's um, yeah, really yeah, well. I mean, she gets suckered in, but she's definitely not stupid. Yeah, really well made. Um, yeah, good movie. We should have um. Well, maybe it should have been on my top five. I don't know. I don't know why. I, I don't know why I feel like I have to change my top. But out of my top five, I think like revisiting it with with what we've watched over the break, I think Deadstream would have made the top five. Uh, I think Fresh would have been six or seven on the list. Yes. Yeah. Well, talking of that, then a quick mention for me is I probably would have had the menu in my top five. Um. Yeah. I, I, in fact, I almost definitely would have done. Um, 
I don't want to talk too much about it because you spoke about it on the top five and I'm aware that we've been talking for a while already and we're still not at the film. No. <laughs> um, we've just had so much to catch up on. We have, yeah. We shouldn't have such long breaks. Although it's it's a it's a delight, an absolute delight. And um, it's just gonna be no fun to edit. <laughs> no, I'm sure it'll be fine. So for some of you out there, we were gonna do Terrifier 2. Um but we've taken a U-turn. And we're gonna be doing what are we doing, Matthew? We are talking about Pearl. So from 2022. So there's the reason that we're doing this is that it was a film that we did mention in the top five, but neither of us had been able to see. Hmm. And then a couple of days ago, Letterboxd put out their year in review and it came up as the best rated horror film of the year. Right. So yeah. what sort of podcast would we be if we didn't talk about the best horror film of the last year? That's right, yeah. And technically it's not out in the UK, but we used um, our VPN status and managed to get hold of it. Yes, um, we, we were able to obtain it fully legally. Yes. So it, we, we managed to uh, sort of contravene some tricky issues without a, being naughty. Well, we used the VPN, so um, yeah, lovely job. Um, so, yeah, go on. You've got, you, you're the man for this. You're going to lead us... Yes. So it's the uh, the sequel to X, which was in my top five of the uh, film for 2020. Sorry, it's not the sequel. Oh, it's a prequel to X. Uh, prequel, yeah. Which was in my top five of the year. Mm-hmm. And it's most of the same people involved. So it was directed by Ty West again. Yep. Uh, Ty West also wrote it this time. He had some help from Mia Goth, who again stars in the film uh, as she did in X as Pearl. Mm-hmm. And we also have David Cornsweat as the projectionist, Tandy Wright as Ruth, Matthew Sunderland as the father, and Emma Jenkins Puro as Mitzi. Mitzi. So, yeah, really. If, I don't know, in in terms of plot, I think I can only really describe it alongside X. Really, isn't it? If you've seen X, if you remember Pearl from that, it, it's her origin story, isn't it? Really. Yes, yeah. Um, so she she lives on a farm with her parents, with a, a controlling mother and infirm father. Uh, sort of like well, set in nineteen eighteen, just around the sort of the end of the First World War, about Spanish flus kicking about. Yeah, um, and her, her husband is away at the war, no less. Yeah. Um. Now, is is he the husband from X? <laughs> It is, yes. Okay. It was, I found it a bit, um, I wasn't 100% sure what was going on there. I don't really, I honestly don't know really what to say about it because, um, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go out and say straight away that I actually, that I, that I enjoyed it much more than I enjoyed X. Um, that was sort of the, uh, the elephant in the room for, for me, I think. So I, I, I know we were split on X weren't we quite well. I, I really enjoyed it and you you weren't overly keen so I was mm. interested to see which way this would have gone yeah well I, th- I think Mia Goth is brilliant in this she really is fantastic um, and she's the main part of it everyone else is sort of an almost ancillary character apart from maybe her mother um, who I think was Tan- 
I think that was Tandy Wright. Um, yes, he was. Yeah. Um. So she'd really just lead the whole story a- a- along. Um. But uh, she's incredibly engaging to watch. And she's never, she's never going to get it. But for my money, this is this is the performance of the year. Like mm. I would give her the Oscar for this role. Yeah, I would. Um... I think she was absolutely incredible. There, there is a scene, uh, sort of uh, after the big dance audition that the film sort of builds to, because she's sort of Pearl is is desperate, liking X to be a star. Mm-hmm. And she has this one chance for a dance audition, which she fails at. And then after that, she does, uh, like, it must go on for for a good few minutes. Uh, this this monologue. Yeah, I think it's the, more than 10 minutes. I think it's quite a long, it's a long monologue. <laughs> yeah, and, and she just basically recounts everything she's, everything she's done in the film, everything she's feel, felt in the film. And that the camera is just one single tripod shot never leaves a face Mm -hmm. and she just sells every emotion she breaks down crying she's you know wiping tears where she's smiling at at points at the beginning of it and it it's just an incredible performance from her yeah unbelievable it's amazing you take you you take a dip into pearl's psyche right there and um because throughout i think throughout the film you get little um a little moments of her of, of it but right there you get um you get everything from the character that makes probably x a little bit better because you know you, it like I say in that moment you sort of really get a deep, a deep delve into who she who she who she is what's what's going on with her um and it's just so, it's just so very interesting. Um, I think you know throughout the film, she she's sort of almost holding it together, and she's like it creeps out here and there, doesn't it? And you know she she does one of the kills in the film, sort of before this, and like you you just know that all of this. Uh, sadness and bloodlust that that creeps through. It's it's all bubbling to the surface, and then you see one scene. She just lets it all out, and it like feels cathartic to watch as well as yeah, it does. Yeah, and it's um, she does a really good job of being the hero of the story, even even though the things that she does are quite villainous, really. Um. Does she like it comes at a point after she's gone. She's kind of, I don't know. I won't say she's. She starts that that monologue as a villain, and ends it full villain, but with a bit of sympathy, don't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, what I was going to say to you is that the the moment there's a moment in that in the film where. Um, because to me, it doesn't have a lot of a lot of tension as horror movies go. But after the monologue, when she comes, she comes out of the house, um, and at, at that point, as she comes out of the house, and the person that she's 
done the monologue too, is trying to get away. It suddenly ramps up this tension and she becomes this incredibly menacing character. Yeah. Um, like like no other time in the movie has she felt particularly menacing, but at that at that particular moment, it whatever switch went in her head, it totally went. Um and yeah, it while I was watching it, I was watching it and I was sort of going, Yeah, I liked it, but how much is there enough horror in this for me? But that particular turn, it was it was enough to me for me to you know, solidify it as being definitely horror enough. Um, so yeah, I th- I wonder if I wasn't in the right mood for X, and perhaps I should go revisit it. Um, I think I want to wait until Maxine comes out and and do the trilogy. Yeah, see how yeah. Uh, see how we'd look then. Uh, but yeah, I think when we were saying before about when she's sort of uh, cracking in places and these little bits of, of Pearl losing it come out. Like we get those physically as well in those little glimpses, don't we? You know, she, with her dad, uh, you know, she holds him by the, the alligator uh, mm-hmm. lake and, you know, she starts, uh, she starts choking him at one point as well, doesn't she? Those little bits that come out physically, like, you kind of get like like little bits of dread there, and again, that bit where she's chasing Mitzi down the road, like those bits and that monologue, just serve to pay that that scene off so well. Mm, yeah, yeah, it builds to something and it doesn't let you down. Uh, it's beautiful. It, it, yeah, it's good. And then, uh, as if that wasn't enough, they give her another. Uh, sort of uh, long shot of nothing but a face, just for pretty much the entirety of the end credits, don't they? Oh, that's that's awful. I felt really bad for Mia Goth there. I mean, they obviously decided <laughs> that was something that they wanted to do, but I was, you could see how much is going on there, like almost enough to, um, it seemed like it was almost breaking her as an actress as well. And I was like, oh, just. Let us stop. Fade to black, please. Yeah. I was well, even then, you know, you know, she she kind of sells a whole story just with a face in that bit as well. It's it was making me very uncomfortable, but yeah, it, it, it's all there. The mental breakdown is right there, just in a look. Um, amazing, really. Um, there are actually there was one more uh, there was one thing I wanted to talk about earlier earlier on. There's a bit with a scarecrow. Um, the scarecrow's got like a human face. Is it a dead body or is it just it's supposed no. to represent something? <laughs> it it looks like the Wizard super of human, doesn't it? It look yeah. I I I couldn't even tell if like they used a, a face cast or something, or if they actually used an actor for it or, or what? Cause it, it yeah. really was uncanny Valley looking, wasn't it? It was, I didn't. Yeah. It was. Cause I was, my thought was that she killed somebody and put them there because I wasn't quite sure for a while if that was her husband, Um, which, you know, Spoilers, it obviously isn't. Um, 
But yeah, no, I mean, maybe it was just, there was just nothing to it, but I just, um, yeah. <laughs> that was the no, only part, was... the only part of the movie that really made me go, this is weird. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was, I mean, it's a weird scene to begin with, isn't it? But hmm. there, there was something about that scarecrow that did make you ask questions at, I don't, I don't, not even if they were meant to have answers, were they? I think they were just supposed to be there just to be like, you know, freak yourself out with this, you know, <laughs> let yourself be creeped out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that, I think that's what it is. Yeah. And there's another part of the movie that made me cringe where, um, and this is real spoilers, everyone. So at, so at one point, her mother gets set on fire and she puts her out with boiling water. And it really made me go, ow. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like, Fair play for putting her out, but boiling water. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, I mean, that's almost literally out of the fire and into the frying pan, isn't it? Oh, it was awful. Yeah. Um, and corn. Hit it with a few corn cobs as well. Oh, why not? Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if I'm on fire, you know, chuck as much corn at me as you want, as long as there's water with it. Okay. Cold, though. Well, uh, if you're on, if you're on fire, does boiling water bother you? That's maybe that's the question. Mm, I would say it's not the best. If it gets the bits that aren't on fire, it it probably just makes matters worse, doesn't it? I guess. Yeah. Hmm. No, don't. Uh, please don't pour boiling water on burns, people. Um. Or or fire. I don't know. Suppose if it's not someone on fire. Anyway, we'll that's... we'll try it out on some sort of yeah, we'll, we'll non-human set... fire, not non-living thing fire. Of course, we wouldn't. Creative psychopath does not condone any sort of living abuse. Uh, no, but I do. <laughs> no, I don't. We're fifty-fifty on it. No, no, no. As a, as a podcast, we don't. Personally, I just set whoever you want on fire. I'd say, um, just don't say Mark said it was all right. Well, you can if you want. I don't think it'll really come back to me. Will it? No. Good. You never said which mark. Yeah. Go on then. So another one that I found super interesting about this film is that they use the pandemic in a way that, like, certainly I've not seen before. I mean, obviously, but very few people even want to touch the pandemic as part of the film, do they? But mm. like this, the film set during the time of the Spanish flu and, you know, the whole idea of this is that, you know, Pearl feels trapped on this farm and she can't get away. And, you know, everything seems to be uh, built up sort of to keep her there and to keep her oppressed and keep her away from stuff. You know, it's like a family, a German, the time of the first world war so obviously unpopular you know a parents again are super strict and uh uh, a dad's infirm so she can't you know she's got to look after him and be beholden to to her mother Uh, a husband's away so she's you know she's getting no no help there and you know all those things person to person may or may not sort of have any bearing on you it's all that stuff is not really anything that I can relate to personally. Mm. And then they go, well, here you go. There's a pandemic on at the same time. And then everyone just goes, oh yeah, I know exactly what that's like now. 
Yes, you know, yeah, it's, it's clever. You know, when people are talking about being locked down in the film and, you know, she gets thrown to a bunkhouse to quarantine at one point and people have to wear masks and stuff and you think, oh, you know, shit, I actually, I feel, I feel for this person now. I know what she's going through. It's like, it's a really just strange way to build sympathy. Well, it would have been strange a few years ago, but like, it's an interesting way because I've never seen it done like that before. And it's, it's working with what you got in it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny that I don't, not funny, but I didn't notice that while I was watching it, but the fact that you say it, it, I do, I do realize that I was noticing it and found that I, I was able to find that as a frame of reference. And like you say, it does create sympathy. Yeah, very good, in fact. Ah, uh, well, that's why you're the smart one. Well, uh, for now, once we get get these books going out here, they'll be. Oh uh, no, I don't. I don't think I'll ever be clever enough. It's fine. It's fine. I, I like coming to you to for you to explain <laughs> explain things to me. So like, to poor do if I'm the clever one as well. It's... Like when you explain men to me, I didn't get it. I liked it, but I didn't get it. So that was the good. movie, not the gender. Well, we'll get to that another day when I'm when I'm ready. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump in again and talk about another note that I had then. All right. In that, both this is really it goes for both X and Pearl. In that they, the character of Pearl and sort of this desire to be a star and stuff which spreads across both films, like. The, the idea of sort of celebrity obsession and you know just being desperate to be famous is something that we we kind of a, attribute as a new phenomenon and that people only do that now when you know they, they never did it before and people just wanted to create stuff and they got famous sort of by accident and I think this film certainly makes it look as if you know, that they're telling a modern story in the past, but and really they're just telling a, a tale as old as time in yeah. the past. Mm. Because that hunt for celebrity, like this film brings into focus that that's that's not new at all. And I think it's like an interesting film in that it does that. You don't really get that in films, do you? No. <clears throat> no. No, you don't. Um it's you see, like I say, you you know, it's all these levels of things that I don't think I really uh, that I really picked up on. I sort of picked up on um, what I feel was well, no, like you say, sort of willingness, possibly to do anything to be a celebrity, because there's like I would say a nod to X in so much as he shows her some pornography. Um, and I think you almost feel at that point that she's, she thinks, well, I could do that. You know, that would give me something. Uh, I might be wrong. <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, it's definitely that, you know, and, and that's the same thing in X as well, isn't it? When they're just like, mm. you know, <laughs> I'm just, just going to bang and be a star because, you know, that's what you could do. The, in the, the goal 80s. is to be a star, and this is the quickest way to that route. Yeah, yeah. 
No, it's um, yeah, really good, really good on a lot of levels, a lot of levels that I didn't see, but you know, as always, you explain things to me, and yeah, but I think no. there is uh, oh, I'm gonna sound like a dick now. <laughs> <laughs> there is a very good book by historian Greg Jenner called Dead Famous, which is all about the history of celebrity, and if, if that's something that you are interested in, I would recommend the book. Yeah, I'll write that down on my list. Dead. And it, it is a, uh, you know, it's it's a public book. It's not, you know, it's not an academic text or anything. Oh, no, I'm not interested. I don't want academic texts. No, I I've read many academic history textbooks, and they are they are dry. Yeah, well, I'm not I'm I'm not clever enough for that. I, I don't know why. Why do I keep doing myself down? I just I I, I can't learn stuff that way. I need it to be entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, that sounds good. I'll, I'll, um, I'll add that to my list of I need to learn about things. Um, yeah, lovely. So, are we ready to rate it then? Or? Uh, I, I would just say very quickly that the the film looks lovely and it's it's super duper colourful, which I think was a, a really nice touch for for a horror film that sort of the greens and blues and reds are all right. Like yeah. the saturation's been dialed right up for it, hasn't it? Right, yeah, I, I was actually watching a little bit of. Well, I tried to watch something about it where, um, you know, they were saying that given that it's the same set, um, and I actually did notice notice that it's a completely different looking movie, um, considering that you're looking at the same, the whole sort of same area really. Um, as I'd say that. The X, which is sort of based, is it the eighties or the seventies? Sort of, it's uh, seventies. It's sort of got that sort of Texas Chainsaw drab look about it. Um, you know, even even the sort of I don't know if it counts as the grain of the film or even the filter or whatever. Um, whereas this is very bright and very. Um, I think it kind of relates to Pearl as a character, doesn't it? You know, mm, where yeah. at this point, where she's kind of full of optimism and and believe she's going to be a star but you know by the time x comes around it's it, i just thought it was really really interesting that well i'm gonna repeat myself again but it was the same place yeah but so different it's um, like life has beaten the shit out of pearl and where she lives and <laughs> where she lives yeah yeah oh excellent yeah yeah now it's um well, I don't think there's any beating about the bush here. It's a creative psychopath for me. I, I would say just for Mia Goth alone, it would have been a creative psychopath, I think. But I uh, think the rest of the film is pretty great as well. So, yeah, I give it the creative psychopath too. Yeah, yeah. I think this is one of the few ones that's a creative psychopath, but I would also, you know, get, you know, please watch it, you know. Don't have to just listen to us on this one. I would say it's one that you should go watch because it's an engaging watch. Um, well, I'll I'll ask you the question then as well: Is that when it when it does get released uh, in cinemas here, would you go watch it again? Um, yeah, I think I think I would actually. Yeah, I, th- I think I would. I'd have a look at it on the big screen as well. Yeah, I think there was stuff I missed. Uh, I get the feeling there were nod, there were more nods to X in it that I didn't see, so I would like to. Um... Maybe that's the time to revisit. Yeah. So, in, instead of when Maxine comes out, when when we can get to the cinema for it. Yeah, 
Yeah, I definitely, I definitely would. In fact, we should probably just say to people, wait for the cinema release. Um, yes, lovely. We did it. Yeah, so that was the filling. And then when when it comes out in the cinemas, we can, you know, put this out again as a bonus episode and pretend that we're reviewing it. Yeah, that would be clever, wouldn't it? Yeah. That would be clever of us. Uh, <laughs> um, right. Well, that yes, that was a filling. I forgot to mention the first slice of bread, but you know, you know what you're here for now. Well, it's New Year's resolutions. We're all trying to lose a bit of the weight. So we're having open sandwiches. <laughs> We've had too many whatever sandwich it is, it is leftover sandwiches. So um, we're going in for the final slice of bread now, which, and you, he said New Year's resolution, so I was trying to segue again. I've ruined it. Um, so we're going to talk about, well, just a few horror New Year's resolutions, which are like, well, for me, the movies that I feel like I probably should have seen and I haven't got around to. Um, so yeah, uh, should we do that? <laughs> so I'll start right, then. Okay. So this one is actually going to be tomorrow uh, at time of release because I'm going to watch. This sounded like a much better resolution in my head when I first came out with it, but I'm going to watch a Friday the 13th film on every Friday the 13th this year. Oh, that's a good idea. So we watched the first one for the podcast not so long ago. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to watch part two uh, tomorrow night at the, t- at the time of release. Oh. Uh, but then I realized that there's only actually two Friday the 13th in 2023. <laughs> <laughs> but by the end of the year, I will have watched at least three Friday the 13th movies. Wow. Um, you're getting, I don't you're like getting... to overstretch myself with my <laughs> New Year's resolutions. You're getting into Jason there as well, so that's good stuff. Um, oh, excellent. I'd be interested to know, find out what you think. Um, yeah, two and three are good ones. Ah, they're all good ones. Um, oh, lovely. Well, for me, I am going to watch um, a movie. Well, I'm going to watch a movie, obviously. I'm going to watch Nosferatu, basically. Okay. Uh, I've got that on my list to watch over the year. Um, I listened to another podcast called The Evolution of Horror, um, and they were doing a vampire season this year, and Nosferatu came up on a lot of people's lists. And um, it's just a movie I've never got around to seeing. Um, I know it's supposed to be great, but... I just think yeah. I just guess I just guess I've never had not just the inkling to watch it. So that um that's on my list to watch make sure that I add it to my um horror portfolio. <laughs> so one one of the uh, the very first dates that uh, my good lady planned for us, uh, which is probably a big reason why we're still together was to see Nosferatu at uh, Derby Cathedral, of all places. Oh, wow. Uh, with a live organist uh, playing the because obviously it's a silent film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you kind of, you know, it, it fit in perfectly, and it was a really, really great show. Yeah. Uh, and the, the the shot of Nosferatu going up the stairs in silhouette, it's 
I maintain is still the best shot in the history of horror films. Like, I think it's absolutely incredible. Yeah. No, I'm, well, like I say, I, I've seen that scene, but I've never watched the movie itself. But yeah, part and another reason that I wanted to watch it is that um, that they're remaking it. I think this year there's supposed to be one this uh, year. Yeah, Robert Eggers is Robert is Eggers, and so. he he's he's great. So yeah, looking forward to seeing what he does. It should be good. I'm looking forward to that. So that was one of the reasons that I wanted to see it. But I want to have the reference for the first film. Um, I'm also going to suggest then and recommend a film called Shadow of the Vampire while we're here too, uh, which is a film from 2000. And it's oh, is that about the making of it. It's about the making of Nosferatu, but also he is know, a vampire. He is a vampire. And yeah, it's yeah. Willem Dafoe being absolutely incredible. Yeah. Uh, John Malkovich in Udo Kia. And it is insane and yeah. brilliant. So, I would recommend that as soon as you finish Nosferatu to give that a go. Uh, well, I tell you what, then I'll just add that to my list. Shadow. I don't have a big list actually of the vampire. Have, have you seen the uh, Werner Herzog remake as well? Because that, that was one uh, sort of the eighties, I think. No, I don't think so. Yeah, well, I haven't. I haven't. It was uh yeah one of yeah well one one of the uh the more well known remakes of the film. Oh, 1979, Nosferatu the Vampire. Uh, I might add that to my We might have to have it like Nosferatu November. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> I was gonna say oh vampire, but then I realized there was no V months. Uh Vampire V Day. <laughs> <laughs> Valentine's Day. As really? close as I can get. Uh, I think there is actually a, a, a film called Van- Valentine's Day, so we'll probably have to watch that. Uh, yeah, no, I'm. Um, I've, I've got those added to my list as well, so that's good. I'm always looking for more things to watch, more and more things to watch. Uh, well. My New Year's resolution isn't actually about watching anything. Oh. I want to read more horror. Oh, lovely. So I want to read more, more, more horror books because I think, I mean, there are, you know, a lot of horror film, a lot of you know, horror films are based on books. And now the new M. Night Shyamalan film is based on a book by Paul Tremblay, I want to say. And uh, he wrote a book which I can't remember the name of now. It's Head Full of Ghosts, I think, right. uh, which my other half read and is supposed to be very good. And I would just kind of want to start reading more and just think, you know, what 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 would be a ripe for adaptation? What would be good to see? Oh, yeah, that sounds really good. Yeah, that uh, sounds really good. I, I think as well, you know, at some point we might even be able to do a a question about it on the the podcast so it's it's for the content too <laughs> yes yes we could do best horror books or something Mind you, I'm, I'm just thinking you know what what i'd like to see be brought to screen because you know we're, we're overdue some uh 
fresh new adaptations, aren't we? Yes, we are. Yeah, I think I only really go into um, Stephen King because the only other horror book that I read was um, one called The Girl Next Door, which was written by Jack Ketchum. Um, but it was it was genuinely um, awful. Not, and I don't mean awful as in bad story. I mean awful as in it made me feel a bit queasy. So, uh, yeah. Well, my your reading has always sort of been uh, film first, and then sort of catching up later. Which I, you know, I don't really like to do. I like to sort of go with whatever comes first first. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, I read. Uh, I'm thinking of ending things. Uh, over the Christmas period, which you know, a nice jolly read for for the <laughs> happiest time of the year. And you know, I just thought, you know, we need to, I need to sort of get ahead of the curve and start reading just some original fiction and say, oh yeah, I've, you know, I read the book before it was a movie, and start being a bit of a hipster knobhead. <laughs> well, talking of books that get turned into movies, um, one of the ones that I need to watch properly. Uh, is a movie I've seen bits of, but I never really sat through, and that's Pet Cemetery. Um, I've seen good chunks of it that I know exactly what happens, but I can't say I've sat through the whole thing. Um, so I want to add that to my list. I uh, haven't seen the original, but I have seen the remake. Yeah, well, I do want to see the. That's the one I want to see the original um, from. I think it was the eighties. Um. I don't think it matters. Yeah, it was definitely the the 80s. Um, I'm going to have to look it up now, aren't I? 1989. Yeah, that... No, 1989. Just, just on the cusp of the 80s. But yeah, um, I've seen bits of it, um, but not the whole thing. So I definitely want to get into that. Um, so yeah, that's next on my list. Okay. Do you have any more or... No, I think I've I've stretched myself about as far as I can for uh, <laughs> for New Year's resolutions. Okay, well, uh, my last one's actually a TV series. Um, I have promised someone today that I will watch Ash versus Evil Dead. What is that right? Right, yeah, I think you should watch it definitely. Um, I haven't. I never got round to it. I think I watched a couple of episodes, maybe, uh, but I never, in the end, got round to actually watching it. So. Um, yeah, that that is on my list, and I'm going to get that all watched before Rise comes out, which I think is April anyway. So, I I think that's a wonderful idea. Hmm. I strongly support that. Three seasons. Yeah, I don't think they're particularly long, and uh, the episodes aren't aren't too long either. So I think you know, it's. I think you'll have a whale of a time. Oh, they're only sort of half an hour along the episodes, right? Okay, yeah, fair enough. Yeah, that that's that's uh, that's on my list. So that's um, yeah, that's it then. We've done it. We've achieved. I reckon we have settled back into our groove nicely. We have. It's now, good to be back. Now all you need is the second part of this uh, Amazon voucher story. Oh, God, how could I forget? <laughs> the most boring, like, what did you buy with your Amazon voucher? Well, I tell you what I bought with my Amazon voucher. I bought the Blu-ray copy of Ghost Watch. Why am I telling you this now? Because guess what we're doing next week? <laughs> oh, Ghost Watch. 
So the reason that I got it on Blu-ray was because I'd looked for ages to pick it up because it's not so easy to find, um, you know, to watch on the internet. But I think it's had a pretty recent re- release. Um, so I picked it up because it had a documentary on it. So I thought, oh, I'll give that a go. Um, but it's also got two different commentary tracks on it, one with um, two film historians and one with the makers of the of, of the thing. So, yeah, I'm really, really pleased uh, to have picked that up because um, I managed to watch that last year. Um, so, yeah, the sizzle for next week is Ghostwatch, and you can... You can probably uh, expect that I'm going to be full of stuff to say about that because, as I say, it's got all these interesting things on it. Yep, Which is one um, thing. One thing I forgot about having the physical stuff is you often get extras. <laughs> yeah, I always think we should. I think uh, Disney Plus. Well, they sort of put out extra like specials, don't they, for for a lot of their stuff. If you've got that stuff, like surely you can just put some on the servers for it, and hmm. I like just, the just have them track. available as part of the menu for it. I've always liked a commentary track. Um, so yeah, um, like I say, pleased to pick that up. Um, so yeah, not a very not a very exciting end to the story, but um, you know, if. If any of you are listening to that, I would suggest that you try and find Ghostwatch if you can, because I think you'd be pleasantly surprised. Um, yeah, yeah, we're not going to spoil it to, too much, but so I can certainly tell you that it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely interesting. And um, I think the episode's going to be interesting because it's got a good history to that film, and I'm wanting to talk about it. Um, so yeah, that brings us to the end then. So, you know, if you listen to the intro, this is the outro where we say the same things. Download the episode, join the Facebook group, go on the Instagram. But the main thing is, please join the Facebook group. We're going to make that a more, um, uh, (laughs) what's it, a more engaging horror place rather than me just constantly posting what um episodes we're going to do i put on there recently about us doing some watch parties so i'll put some dates together and we'll we'll all sit and watch a film together yeah um, i mean some of uh some other listeners have, have shared stuff in there as well so you know mm-hmm. encourage that too yes please do that um ask about movies ask about ask about whatever horror things you want ask about hell yeah. is what you want to want us to cover yeah please do just you know it's going to be the year. This is the year of creative psychopaths. We've had one year to sort of get it on the on the thing, and now we're gonna. Is it uphill or downhill that's better? <laughs> uh, hmm. Downhill feels faster, but also it's downhill. Yeah, depends which way you want to go. I guess we're doing good things. Whatever the good things are, that's what we're doing. And I am definitely rambling now. So should we say bye? Yeah, I think <laughs> let's do it. All right, bye. Doodaloo.